0: Welcome to the Doctority Canada Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Sheshav and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institutions. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Josephine Dabondanza, who is a third-year plastic surgery resident at the University of Toronto in Toronto, Ontario. Josephine grew up in Woodbridge, Ontario, and went on to complete her undergrad in Human Biology and Psychology, and a Master's of Science in Neurosurgery, and her medical school from the University of Toronto. Her academic interests include medical education. Josephine, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Shay. thanks for introducing me.
0: Yeah, of course. So I'd love to get started with a big picture overview of what it's like to train at your program.
1: Sure. So the University of Toronto is uh, one of the larger training programs. We do most of our training here in sort of the GTA with some other rotations in general community plastic surgery. So we spend most of our time rotating through the downtown core hospitals uh, with the opportunities to go outside of the city as well. So we do spend, uh, in our first two years of the program, uh, we do a mixture of plastics on-service training as well as some off-service rotations. Those off-service ones include general surgery, ICU, anesthesia, emergency in our first year. And then uh, in second year, we do dermatology, ENT, and orthopedics. But within the first uh, two years, we actually do get quite a bit of on-service plastics experience as well. So we spend about five months in first year and then nine months in second year doing plastic surgery uh, rotations. And then years three to five are solely plastic surgery, where we rotate through doing four months at each of our various sites.
0: And I'd like to go back to the off-service rotations that you were speaking about. Could you tell me a little bit more about what the experience is like?
1: Sure. So off-service is basically to get sort of a background in the skill sets that you might need in future training so for example we do ICU rotation for two months in first year and that's sort of to prepare us for our burn critical care rotation that we do in second year um, and develop those sort of basic ICU skills as well as on our anesthesia rotation sort of the core of that is to get an idea of preoperative counseling to prepare for our patients uh, making sure you know they're stopping their medications at an appropriate time um, and getting a bit of background from the anesthesia perspective emergency is you get sort of a mixed bag of everything but just sort of triaging smaller procedures and then in our second year orthopedics we do at, at one of our sites that has more um, upper extremity orthopedics as well and uh, dermatology you know just for some local skin procedures and we do a bit of our Mohs surgery as well on that rotation. And um, the rotations are pretty good. We really get integrated into the team and we work as if we were a resident on that service. So it's a great experience.
0: And you mentioned that there are various sites that you have access to as a resident. Could you comment on some of the main ones?
1: Sure, I'd say um, the main sites that we rotate through maybe as a junior resident that we come back to again as a senior resident would be Sunnybrook which is our one of our main trauma sites, and we get a variety of both craniofacial and hand surgery, as well as actually breast reconstruction there. sort of encompasses all the areas of plastic surgery at that one site um, with a bit of a trauma spin on things. Toronto Western Hospital is our hand rotation that we go to as a junior and senior resident, as well as sick kids we, we rotate through twice. Some of the other sites that we go to include Toronto General, St. Joe's Hospital, which is a community site that has more of a city feel, I guess, as well. A bit of a mixture of both. And then the opportunity as a senior resident to go to community sites such as North York General, Toronto East General. Those are some of the sites that we rotate through.
0: And how many residents do you guys take per year?
1: So it varies year to year, but I would say on average we take about three to four residents per year into the program. Um, sometimes there are uh, also international student spots, um, but those vary as well.
0: Are there any fellows at your program?
1: We do have fellows. I would say most of the fellows are located at the downtown teaching sites, so UHN Hospitals, Sunnybrook and SickKids. Those have most of the fellows. I find that they're a great addition to our teaching experience. They often have more time maybe to spend with us to clarify things, um, particularly about procedures and give us a bit of insight as well. Some of the fellows come from international sites, so they're able to comment on the differences between the training and maybe the way that procedures are done in their home countries. And some of the the fellows as well come from Canadian or US sites, and they are more recent graduates um, doing their fellowship.
0: And now I'd like to switch gears a bit. Could you tell me a little bit more about the research opportunities available at Toronto?
1: So Toronto is pretty big uh, in terms of research, as most people know, we have essentially every hospital has some research centre, research capabilities, and the staff in our program are pretty diverse in their research areas. Essentially any area of plastic surgery, if you have an interest in something, there's some staff that you can find to help support you in your research endeavours, ranging from basic science to qualitative or QI research. Really you can do any area that you're interested in. We do also have the surgeon scientist training program, which is an option for people that would like to sort of halfway through their residency, take time away and focus on their research to get either a master's or a PhD. That's an option that some, uh, some residents choose. And um, we do have a requirement in our program to present at our annual research day three times throughout our residency. And generally, whatever project we present is at a level that would sort of be ready for publication.
0: And what kind of support is available for presenting your research?
1: In terms of presenting research, it really depends on the site and the staff. So um, there are options to present your research at both, both national and international conferences. And those are, would sort of just be general application process as it, with any sort of research project. And then, as I said, our annual research day, we have our residents present at that as well. We often have a guest lecture at those at those sessions as well. So there's opportunities available as well for grants and stipends.
0: Could you expand a little bit more on the funding and support that you get on that end?
1: Um, So in terms of research funding, I think most of the funding is available for the the residents in the Surgeon Scientist Program, and that's uh, incorporated into that program. And in terms of uh, other research projects, those are available through maybe both hospital-related means as well as um, through certain other organizations that you can apply for funding.
0: And now looking at the opposite side, are there any limits on the support that you have for research?
1: I would say personally, limits would basically just be time. Um, So sometimes it's a bit hard to manage both your clinical duties and research. But I think if you... um, in terms of support from staff, there's really no limitations in that respect. Like I said, we are able to do research in any area, any area of plastics that we're interested in. For me personally, I would say the main limitation is, is setting aside that time outside of our clinical duties to uh, do our research projects. But we do have, um, I believe it's about six half days where the, we have dedicated research time to incorporate either meetings with our, our uh, preceptors or, you know, to do our uh, projects from uh, home. So we do have some dedicated time built into the program for research.
0: What's call like?
1: So call is different depending on each hospital. So most of our Call is home call. If we're on a plastics rotation, with the exception of burns, that would be in-house call. And for home call, it, uh, we do a maximum of 10 shifts per month. And it, again, it depends on how many people are at our site. If you have multiple residents, then we divvy up the call evenly between all of us. And generally, you're working at whatever hospital you're at at the time. We do have with uh, the UHN hospitals, we have sort of a call pool amongst all of the residents at the UHN site. So that would include Toronto General, Toronto Western, Women's College, uh, as well as our aesthetics rotation. So all of these residents are put into a call pool and we divide the call for cross coverage in the city.
0: And what's the allied health practitioner support like?
1: Um, we have pretty good allied health. They're, I think, a really great resource, especially if you're new to a site. They're very familiar with the protocols uh, for our post-operative patients or the way things are run. Especially with our sites, like the Sunnybrook and the burn unit, as well as SickKids, we have our own sort of closed unit for plastics. So you really get to know the nursing staff there, social workers, PT, OT, um, and they're a really great resource to use. I think in our hand clinics as well, we often have a designated hand therapist there, which is really great for our patients and having them, you know, with either splinting or working on their, their rehab protocols. So that's a great thing that we have incorporated as well.
0: Are there any opportunities for elective rotations?
1: Uh, In terms of electives, so we we don't have any specific elective time incorporated into the program. However, if there is a resident has an interest in going elsewhere to get a particular experience, that's something that can be um, brought up with our program director to be coordinated into their schedule.
0: Are there opportunities for global rotations or mission trips?
1: There are quite a few staff that go both um, within Canada and internationally for mission trips. And um, these are open to residents as well. So it just really involves discussing with the staff and letting them know of your interest. Most recently, I think a few of our residents had gone to Northern Canada to help some mission trips there.
0: And what's the cosmetic experience like?
1: For cosmetics, we have a um, specific aesthetics rotation that we're able to do as a senior resident. So usually in our end of our fourth year or fifth year and that's a designated four-month aesthetic rotation where we're supervised by the staff uh, but often get to sort of see our patients in consults and book them for our cosmetic procedures that we take a lead role in with the support of our staff.
0: And is there a resident cosmetic clinic?
1: Yeah so this aesthetic rotation is sort of like our resident aesthetic clinic and that would be the main aesthetic experience that we get. We do, um, at some sites, have some aesthetic patients come through as well that we um, also get to take part in their care.
0: Is there experience with gender affirmation surgery?
1: We do uh, more recently at Women's College Hospital have a gender affirmation surgery program getting started there and that would be the main site in Toronto to get that experience.
0: Are there any other perks about your program that you'd like to share?
1: I think, well, this again, this would be pre-COVID. Um, we used to do a lot of sort of our m M&M rounds, journal clubs. We often do them at the university club where it's a really nice center with great food. Actually, more recently with our journal clubs, we would often go to different restaurants around the city and have our journal clubs there. So getting to taste different sort of foods and the director of the journal club with COVID has tried to adapt this now where we've been actually getting uh, meal delivery kits to our home. So even though we're doing journal journal clubs from home now, we get these custom meals delivered to our house so that we can enjoy them virtually together. So that that's a kind of new twist that we've added. In terms of other perks, this is not necessarily for our program specifically, but we do have uh, as residents insurance that covers things like prescription lenses. So if you do have a prescription, you can use that for your loops when you're purchasing them. We do have as well custom Lululemon sweaters for plastic surgery that we get when you start in the program. And more recently, we've had some scrub caps for the program with our names embroidered on them. And we also have social events too. So we used to have, again, this is pre-COVID, but we had some group cooking classes Done. where we would each sort of take a part of the meal and we would would cook them and then all sit down together and enjoy the meal. That was really fun.
0: Do you receive any special training courses like flap courses or anatomy lab experience?
1: One of the more popular courses we get to take part in is the Duke flap course, and a lot of residents enjoy that. Uh, We do also have Monday mornings as our designated teaching uh, half days where we occasionally, a few times a year, will have dissections with cadavers, as well as practice some microsurgery. So those are really um, the main main lab experiences that we get.
0: What area of plastic surgery would you say residents come out with the strongest experience in?
1: I think our program is pretty broad and and the way that it's designed is that we get to experience sort of all the areas of plastics. And so upon graduation, I think, We do get a good grasp of all the areas. I would say probably we do get a lot of exposure with breast and hand surgery. And maybe those would be the areas that people feel the most comfortable with. But I think overall we do get quite a variety in all the bread and butter, as well as more of the unique and interesting things that are really only seen at very specialized centers like SickKids.
0: If you had to, how would you improve the program?
1: Improve the program? Um, honestly, I think our program is really great. I think the director of the program and our, our program director have done a great job in, in giving us a good experience in all areas of plastics, as well as trying to accommodate our personal interests and our goals for the future. So, you know, when it's time to schedule our um, rotations, we always are asked, you know, if there's any specific things that we're interested in to try and accommodate those And again, I think COVID has sort of made things a bit more difficult, but you know, with the journal club meals and checking in with us, I think they've tried to make sure that everyone's doing okay and really keeping us as connected as we can during these times. And definitely pre-COVID with our social events and our meetings in person, I think that despite our program being quite large, everyone does a really great job at trying to stay connected and really be like a a big family, so I appreciate that about the program, and I don't know that there's anything in particular that I would have to as a suggestion.
0: That's good now I'd love to transition a bit and ask more about your department leadership, so that includes your chair, uh, chiefs, and your program director.
1: Sure, um so our program director right now is Dr. Wenzel, who works at a St. Joe's Hospital. And our chair is Dr. Forrest, who's a craniofacial surgeon at SickKids. Both of them are really, I think, kind and dedicated individuals. They really care about the well-being of the residents, as well as making sure that we get a great educational experience. Um, I think they're really both approachable people and do a great job at, like I said previously, just trying to keep us all connected and make sure that we're doing well and getting the best out of all of our experiences.
0: And could you tell me a little bit more uh, about what it's like to work with them?
1: Sure, I think that they are like i said they're they're very really dedicated to our educational experience, So working with them, they really are focused on making sure that we are learning and getting the most out of whatever procedure we're helping with. They're really great at letting us operate to an appropriate level for our training and you know when at uh, our rotation at SickKids Dr. Forrest will often open up his mornings to us where we can pick a morning and whatever topic we want to cover that day he'll, um, he'll discuss uh, that topic with us and teach us and this is outside of the regular teaching experience that we get at SickKids because we have dedicated teaching rounds every Wednesday morning at Sookids. So he'll add on an extra day sort of just to help us cover any additional topics or go through cases with us. And same thing with Dr. Wenzel, he's very open to um, giving us time to teach us or go over things with
0: us. Now, can you tell me about a time when either you or another resident brought up an issue to the program leadership and how they responded?
1: Sure, so every few months we actually have, there's a residency program committee that meets So I think this is the main realm uh, where residents get to sort of bring up any concerns. So every few months they'll pick certain sites to go over and we'll review that site. Residents can give any comments to discuss those with the staff. And we have uh, both a junior resident and a senior resident that sit on the program committee. So they'll take our, our concerns and feedback to all of the staff and they'll discuss those and sort of make changes if needed, whether it's, you know, difficulty with getting exposure to certain procedures or, you know, difficulty with sort of call schedules. I think all these things have been dealt with really well um, to make sure, again, that we're, we're doing well both personally and professionally throughout the program. And we recently had our accreditation this year where residents were interviewed by outside surgeons, and we went over all aspects of the program, giving feedback, and we passed that accreditation with no issues. And I think in hearing all of the residents' comments, everyone was really happy with with the program and how things were going.
0: So on that topic, could you tell me a little bit more about the roles that residents play in department decision-making? So whether that be choosing new faculty or new residents?
1: Yeah, so I can comment on the choosing new residents. In terms of faculty, I'm not too sure about the resident input on that, but definitely for choosing the incoming residents. So the junior resident and senior who sit on our residency program committee, they're involved in the selection process, so they will go through applications as well as take part in the interviews themselves. Um, And I think overall residents have um, a pretty big say on the selection of residents because we really are the, the ones that work day to day with each of our elective students and get to know them really well. Um, so we often have the opportunity to submit you know, like feedback about whatever residents we may have worked with on elective and I think it's really great that we get to have that input, especially because we spend so much time, uh, more so sometimes, than the staff with these elective students.
0: As far as you know, do you foresee any upcoming changes in the faculty in the next few years?
1: In the next few years, I think there are, um, there's a few staff that have retired or have some new positions available throughout the city. So I think in the next few years, there might be some newer staff coming into these positions. And yeah, it'll be exciting to see um, some fresh new faces and, and get to work with some newer, newer members of the faculty.
0: Now, going back to the residents, how would you describe the relationships or the culture amongst the residents?
1: I think amongst the residents, we all sort of work well together. We know how difficult residency can be. So it's really we work together as a team and and try and help each other out as much as we can. Obviously, again, COVID really has messed up everything for everyone, but I would say before COVID, we would often, you know, get together and do activities. We have a resident retreat every year. You know, previously we've spent time at Toronto Island doing activities. We've been to Wonderland and our retreat is sort of a mixture of going over academic things, but also just spending time with each other and getting to know one another. Uh, We also have a wellness retreat every year where we've gone hiking in the past and then we have our departmental social events, like our cooking classes that we we take part in as and you know oftentimes i I personally like to cook a lot, so whenever we're at a site what, the residents at that site, I'll try and have people over and have dinner parties and things.
0: That sounds really fun uh, and now I'd like to hear a little bit more about how residents live. Do most residents own or rent
1: so it's kind of a mixture. I would say it's maybe a split. A lot of people rent, a lot of people have purchased condos, and I think most people live generally in the downtown core just because in terms of call, it's it's just more feasible to get, get to the hospitals in time. Um, but some people that might have children or larger families who need more space will live outside of the city in homes. So it's, it's kind of a mixed bag.
0: And what's the commute like uh, from where most residents live to the different sites? Is it necessary to have a car?
1: Uh, no, I don't think it's necessary to have a car. A lot of residents don't don't have one. For If you live in the downtown core, it's generally you can take either public transit or walk to most of the hospitals. Two sites where it might be a little bit more difficult would be if you're at a community site or Sunnybrook. Um, that's a little bit farther or, you know, maybe the shuttle buses or subway doesn't start early enough for you to get there. So in those cases, people will often carpool or maybe just rent a car for that uh, rotation or Uber. But for the most part, where people live downtown, it's pretty easy to walk and get around everywhere that you need to go.
0: Are you ever in a situation where you have to go to multiple sites in one day or within one rotation? Or is it generally one site per one rotation?
1: Mostly it's one site that you're at. The only time you have to cross cover is like I mentioned with call before when you're doing UHN call overnight you cover multiple hospitals. So when you're on call at night or on the weekend you'll have to round on those patients and go to multiple hospitals. But for the most part you are at whatever site you're at.
0: And what is the breakdown of residents in terms of people being single, married, or having kids?
1: Um, I don't know a particular breakdown, but, um, you know, we do have a mixture of everyone. (laughs) So single, married, children. Um, We've had residents who have had children during their residency that have taken some time off. And our program is really supportive with that and has been uh, great with helping them through that process and their return back into residency. So, yeah, we have a variety.
0: So what do you like about living in Toronto?
1: I love that you, whatever you think of that you would like to do is available to you. You know, I, I really enjoy how multicultural our city is and that we have these sort of different little pockets and neighborhoods that you can go to where you can just, you know, a few blocks, you can experience one, one culture to the next. Food is great. There's multiple different ethnicities and I think foods that you can you can try from each neighborhood, art galleries, museums, concert halls. And then just north of the city, we have beautiful parks where you can go hiking, camping, canoeing, whatever you want. And it's really just very diverse. So I like that a lot.
0: So that's most of what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, Are there any final thoughts about either your program or the the process of selecting a residency?
1: In terms of selecting residency, I think, you know, just taking everything as a whole, the program, the city everything around you. It's really a commitment. You're going to be there for the next five years of your life. So I think it's important to be happy where you are and choose a place that will help support you and help you succeed to be the best surgeon that you can be.
0: So I'd like to end with a question for our listeners. Could you please ask our listeners your favorite pimping question?
1: So my favorite questions, uh, probably, if it were the last day of your life, um, where would you like to travel to and what would be your last meal, including all courses? And also, if you were invisible for a day, what would you do?
0: Thanks so much for speaking with us today, Josephine.
1: No problem. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Doctority Canada Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast platform and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions and suggestions. At this point, I'd like to give credit to Jenna Stair for founding Doctority and making all of this possible. Anyways, thanks again for listening. See you all next time!